Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Tim. And this is Comics Obscura Slog Log Special Edition. On today's episode, we're talking about some of the comics that we picked up on this year's free comic book day. Yay! Whee! It was also May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. So it was just like the perfect day for Marvel and Disney to blow their load. <laughs> this is what they were made for. Yep. So that's what today's about. Woo! Woo! Let's talk about comic books. Let's talk about comic books. They were they were free this weekend, <laughs> which is nice. That's my favorite. Yeah, my favorite price point for a comic book. Yeah, that's probably the sweetest deal you can get. It is. Although I still ended up paying a lot of money because I had a nice heaping helping Ooh. of books that I hadn't picked up in a while. Which, if any of you own comic book stores, you probably cringed at that, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I know it's bad bad habit. Hey, sometimes we get busy. Sometimes. We get low on money. We always come back around. It's a vicious cycle with me because I always say the same thing every week, which is every Wednesday I go, oh man, comic books came yeah. out, I gotta pick those up, and then I get home, and then I go, I'll just get them Friday. I'm not gonna read them till Friday anyways. <laughs> yeah. And then Friday comes, and I, like, I'm just like, I don't, I don't leave the house. Or whatever, yeah. for whatever reason. Well, we have zero excuse, too, because the, our comic store is so close so to both close. of our houses. It's but, but yet ridiculous. I always manage to figure out how to justify yeah. my not going there. <laughs> it's hard to take a five-minute car trip sometimes, because like, getting in the car... It's the five minutes just, of it all. If it was 20 minutes away, you might be more inclined to make the trip. Yeah, because you would be... Uh, Better, might as well do it now, yeah. sort of thing. You would, or you, you would think of like other things you could do while right. you were out. You would make a thing of it. Whereas for me, it's yeah. just like, well, I, yeah, I could, but oh, that's going to yeah. require me to do all this for five minutes? Nah. Actually, it's funny because I pick up my comics on the way home from work every Wednesday. So it's like I'm already in the car and I've got 20 minutes or 30 minutes before the store closes. So I got to get there. It's a race for you. It is a race. Well, for me, day. it's a leisurely activity. Yeah. Well, there's we'll the stroll. there's the difference right there. Yeah. All right, Tim. Let's talk about some of the books we found. I tried to pick things that I just thought I would probably not normally read. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your picking strategy? Like, what drew you to the books that you're going to talk about? Sure. The biggest name on my list is the Avengers, and mm -hmm. I really only picked that up and decided to read it because of how much I have hated the Avengers in their most recent <laughs> incarnations. <laughs> so. I I thought to myself, well, you know, let's see how this goes. And I put that one down because I stopped reading Avengers a long time ago. Yeah. And I decided it wasn't worth it anymore. Yeah. For uh, now. And then the other two, well, they were partly one of the books that is a Sheets story, which is a excerpt from a graphic novel that is called Sheets. And I picked that one up because I just thought the cover was great. Yeah. Describe the cover for the people who are listening to us without eyes. <laughs> <laughs> or just don't have the book in front of Why do they have to have no eyes? Well, they're not though? listening with their eyes. Oh, I see. Mean. Okay, sure. So the book is in the foreground, there's a sewing machine with some sewing accoutrement. And then in the background, through the kind of the, the eye or the feed of the sewing machine is, the, uh, is a ghost or a sheet. <laughs> a classic kind of ghost sheet person. You know? Sheet with the eye holes cut out. Yeah. And so it just it looked compelling. I thought, oh, I like the way that looks, so I picked it up. Yeah, I picked and that one up on the strength of the cover alone. Yeah, the cover was good. Just, this looks cute. Yeah, and yeah, it is, and it is cute. And then the uh, third one I picked up was it's called Starburns Presents, 
which I initially I thought, is this related to Starburn's uh, <laughs> community? Like, And I think it is. I'm very unsure about that. Yeah. If I had seen that one, I would have probably cracked it open. Yeah. And it's, a, it's it looked kind of goofy. It's got, you know, it's got uh, what I thought was uh, an orangutan on the cover, which is actually a Sasquatch. Um, and then some, you know, some buff guys wrestling in a ring. It just looked kind of kooky. And I was sort of thought, well, this is something I, I've never even heard of. Uh, CBI. Press is a press I have never heard of. That's mostly because they're apparently a comicsology press. So, mm-hmm. anyways, I just thought I'm like this is completely out of my wheelhouse. Something I would have never looked at with if it wasn't free. So, yeah, let's do it. I think that's the best thing about Free Comic Book Day is getting exposed to things you wouldn't read otherwise. And maybe and we can talk about this at the close to the end of the episode. But maybe you thought of something that you might start picking up or something. Right, right. That's kind of the, the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything, anything unique about your picking habit there, Tim? Yeah. Well, of course, I picked up the Spider-Man book because yeah. Spider-Man. It's because Spider-Man. Yeah, that's you really all you have to say about that. Uh, I picked up this other book. Animosity Tales, partially because on the cover it has it has this woman and these very normal looking animals, but right in the center of it is this very colorful beta fish wearing headphones and sunglasses. He looks very cool. Yeah. I picked it up and I just cracked open the front cover and saw the just the print at the top that says, One day all the animals woke up. They started thinking. They started talking. They started talk, taking revenge. Then shit got weird. So, <laughs> okay. just on the strength of those words alone, I was like, I should, I should probably check this book out. Okay. Uh, and then I picked up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh-huh. I didn't realize this until uh, earlier today, but today, uh, or this weekend, or this year, or whatever, is the 35th anniversary of Teenage wow. Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's wild. Which means they came out when I was two. That's They came out when I was negative four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I uh, remember growing up reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here and there, Yeah. and also the cartoon, and I don't know, it just seemed like an appropriate thing to come back to. Felt like grabbing it. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, let's jump in, Tim. All right. I'm going to start with the one that I liked the least. So I will start with Avengers then. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't understand what Marvel was planning by releasing this book as a free comic book day book. But on the whole, it makes literally zero fucking sense. Yeah. Uh, this book seems, at least from my reading of it, to be completely built on the idea that you have already been reading The Avengers mm. and you just <laughs> want to pick up this free comic book day book <laughs> to read more of The Avengers. Get the free comic book to know what happens in the next issue, everyone. I, maybe. I don't I don't know. I'm pretty sure, based on some context cues, that this issue takes place shortly after War of the Realms or in the midst of War of the Realms because... Tony Stark is teleported to the old prehistoric Avengers. Wasn't that the bullshit they did last free comic book day? They had some the prehistoric Avengers. Is this an old book? Did I grab? No, an old no, book? this is a new one. But I think okay. they did, or they had a single issue that was just Avengers okay. BC or BC, some right? So, like this, that. so apparently Tony Stark has been teleported to the BC time. Okay. Anyways, it's really just a long promo for like, hey guys, remember Avengers are cool. All of it is just talking about, you guys might think the Avengers go away, or sometimes they're on the wrong side <laughs> of the law, but blah, blah, blah. So it's all it's just kind of like a big, long advertisement that is really uninteresting. Great. Yeah, it was it's kind of terrible 
just generally a terrible book that I, I would, if I was picking this up as a person who never read a comic book maybe, or, or had never really gotten involved with this, I would say this is really dull and I never want to read any of this because it was incredibly boring. Fuck comic books. I'm going into finance. Yeah. Yes. This is the book that will turn you, um, from a, a lit major to mechanical engineering. Yeah, great. It just, uh, it was comp- boring, and uh, it was really just jumping between all the different uh, Avengers teams. Yeah. So it, I don't know, I just, but it was just, to me, completely flat and uninteresting. The other side of that, though, is that there was another book in this one that was Savage Avengers, okay. which does actually sound kind of interesting. The roster is, like, it's like Wolverine, Punisher, I call like, kind of the, the macho gruesome heroes. The savage ones. Yeah, and I it, apparently <laughs> it's going to take place in the Savage Lands, <laughs> hence the name, I believe. Yeah. But the artwork was really good. Uh, it's it's uh, Mike Diodato Jr., who did, I think he picked up the latter half of Old Man Logan when it was being done. I don't think Old Man Logan's still around, but he's now Young yeah. Man Logan anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, it's got this really good, dark, gritty, like noir kind of style to it, and uh, it was just really kind of a, a good art, art, artistic uh, representation of this storyline. It seems to fit the, the story pretty well. Okay. And in terms of a pitch for the book, it was compelling, right? Because you, you get a lot of Wolverine, and he's being a, ooh, um, bubs this and... <laughs> Wolverine's back, everybody. Yeah. But it was good in the sense that it sort of sets up a mystery. His friend is murdered or kidnapped, mm. and he's going to go looking for, you know, this guy, and it Sets up Electra and some of the other characters. Oh, Venom's in it as well. Oh, okay. Anyways, it was just kind of, it's a, it was a good, in my opinion, um, like free comic book day book because it had a lot of action and it had a, a nice setup of like, what's going to happen next? Read on, reader. So I was okay. thought in terms of just the type of book that this should be, it was much better than the other Avengers book that didn't want me to maybe not want to pick up any other Avengers book. So okay, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly not going to read Savage Avengers. I it sounds mean. I just don't. I don't feel like these team up books work. Yeah, and uh, these both of these didn't really sell me on either one of them being like exceptionally good team books. Mm, yeah, uh, Savage Avengers, in my opinion, worked in this iteration because there was no team. It yeah. was really just Wolverine story, and maybe that's what it'll be in the book. But anyways, right. So, All the characters who work best as team members. I guess that might be the organizational principle besides being savage. I don't yeah, know. The word I, savage doesn't... It sounds like a kind of thing that you would try to use to sell beef jerky in the 90s. Well, that's the thing. This kind of feels like a 90s book. <laughs> and not in a bad way, but just in that sense of like, these are all kind of characters that were very popular in the 90s. With mm-hmm. Venom, Punisher, Wolverine. Yeah. That's kind of like quintessential like 90s comic dudes. I feel like there is a weird trend within specifically Marvel that's looking back at the 90s yeah. in a strange way. The 90s are back, man. Oh, Rob Field has an X-Men series. <laughs> Major X. Major X. Yeah. The artwork for that is pretty good. I'll give him credit for that. Sure. I He's, flipped through a book the other day. He may have improved over time. I think he has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Tim, what's your top book for your poll? We want the top book or do we want the oh, bottom book? The worst, book? I'm sorry, I decided okay. the worst, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have Say, to be as yeah. severe as mine, but... No, I don't think this will be. Uh, 
the book I liked the least was the probably this Animosity Tales. Aww. And that's not to say it's a bad book, but it, I feel like... Is it because they didn't spell Tales, T-A-I-L-S? Oh, man. Well, it is now. It really should have been that, and that might have been Saving Grace, but... Yeah. Okay. But I, I also, I read into the pun, so it's fine. Okay. Uh, but this is from Aftershock Comics, a publisher that I've never really been aware of. And I think it starts out... Interestingly, funnily enough, uh, you get the sense that there's this fantasy thing going on. There's this fish person who is musing over this this girl who he's in love with. And uh, within the space of, by the time you get to the bottom of that page, you realize that this is a fish in his fishbowl looking out at the woman who takes care of him. It, it takes place at the moment when animals have suddenly gained human consciousness and human speech, and they're kind of pissed about the way they've been treated. They also do, like, animal things. I The thing I don't like about this book is it just feels like they're really trying to sum up a story. So it seems like a longer story that's been sort of edited down for, uh, sure. what would you say, just for digestibility. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of exposition. There is a character who literally says, we just gained consciousness <laughs> and the abilities of human speech as a way of explaining what happened. And that, those things, I think, are they're forgivable sins in the sense that it's a free comic book. It's trying to get you into the story quickly. Yeah. I, I think there's something interesting in the sense that it isn't taking itself super seriously. It's not trying to be some sort of like gritty apocalyptic book, even though this right. is being played very much as an apocalypse. It features this fish very prominently. He is almost the main protagonist in this book, at least. But there's this sense of the, the girl in the book is... She's a college student... An ichthyologist, she tells us very quickly on the page, but seems very withdrawn from the world. Or it doesn't really explain very much except for her exposition where she says, gee, I guess it's good that I don't have a family or any friends (laughs) now that the apocalypse is happening. But So it tries to hammer home the idea that this girl really connects more strongly with animals than people. And she embarks on this quest of to save all these fish that are in the lab where she studies. And this all takes place in Florida, so she takes them out to this swamp area that has conditions that are good for her. And she makes friends with a dog. She also makes friends with a cat and an alligator who have all decided to band together to form a happy little society out here away from the rest of the world to try to, I don't know what, actually. That sounds great. How could this be your least favorite? Well, because the other ones are better. Wow. It's partially an editing thing. That's a compelling story. I was No, I think it's interesting. I think it's... A team of animals and their sidekick human? I think it's going to be fun. I quite enjoy it. Yeah, the, the fish is goofy enough that... It's funny rather than, like, cheesy and weird. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, next on my list. Now, I will say this. My choice is not... I, I think the next two are really just tied. Sure, yeah. So I'm really deciding that this next one is not as good as the my top choice, only because the top choice is a little bit more refined and better polished mm. as, a, as a presentation. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Starburns presents is my second choice. And if the title of that doesn't give it away, this is just kind of goofy, ridiculous comic books, which is a lot of fun. At least in these small doses, I thought they were quite fun. So I read two of the five stories in there in the collection that came for free comic book day. 
The first was called Nasquatch. <laughs> I love it already. Yes, which is obviously a play on uh, the, the Sasquatch and NASCAR. <laughs> so those two things are coming together. Yeah, so already in. In this particular story, just it's kind of like NASCAR. It just sort of, you know, it's zero to 60 and then it just keeps going. It mm-hmm. just never sort of stops until the end of the book. Um, and it's just kind of ridiculous. A guy's working on his car, Sasquatch rolls up to the car and begins fixing, repairing the car, and the guy just gives him the keys through some kind of instinctual connection they have, and they proceed to just drive really fast through the forest. And that's kind of it. Uh, at one point, they get a radio call that from some stranger, mysterious stranger, that tells them the... The government is after Sasquatch, and so they're on the run. And like, that's kind of everything. Yeah. Um, the thing that I think most I most enjoyed, I mean, aside from that, that, that alone is pretty silly. I will say that there is some kind of odd writing with how people are engaging with Sasquatch. Like, he, like Sasquatch never talks or does anything, mm-hmm. and people just seem to think he's, like, super intelligent, which makes sense because he is driving a car, but it's also, like, a weird thing about, like, a lot of jokes being, like, he's smarter than the person, but there's really nothing in this particular story that would signal that. Anyways. That's interesting. That's a nitpick. That's really nothing. But the funniest thing I thought was when you it cuts to, of course, the mysterious government agency, it's ICE agents, Mm -hmm. like, specifically ICE agents, which was really kind of strange to me because I was like, why are ICE agents... After Sasquatch? Sasquatch is is an illegal immigrant. Yeah, and I was like, maybe this book picks up on that in some way, and like that's a narrative through line. I don't know. It was funny, though. Uh, So anyways, that's that's Nasquatch, which is great. And the the second one I read was um, WrestleTopia, which is essentially a storyline that a wrestler in a earthbound narrative, Mm -hmm. uh, wrestling narrative, states that he doesn't care whether or not he is the a champion of the league he's in because he is the champion of wrestling in the entire galaxy, which is picked up by an alien race of wrestlers <laughs> <laughs> and compels them to uh, go after him to to challenge this, this wrestler of the galaxy, this champion of the galaxy. So, you know, it's full of all of the pomp and theatricality of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of a lot of fun. The, the writer, the the team of creators does a really great job sort of creating these larger-than-life characters. And the fun thing is the alien race that is all entirely built around wrestling, of course, fully embraces this. So, like, when they're radioing to each other, right, they're calling each other brother the whole time, right? <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, there's a lot of that soap opera drama to the to the storyline. So it was a lot of fun. I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it would be well worth picking up and at least checking out for a couple issues. I, I had a lot of fun with it. The only real reason I place it where I did place it was mostly just because it it is these does does feel like um, a press that is probably helping smaller comic book writers right like early young writers mm-hmm. right or independent writers that are not so much worried about the polish of the big name brand, you know comic yeah. c- comic publishers they don't seem as constrained no yeah. right but I had a lot of fun reading it that's what I like about these these one offs these free comics yeah. It just feels like there's so much more joy on the page, I think, in some of these. Sure. In the sense that it's so low stakes, and people are just going to pick up random comics. So I feel like the artist and the writing teams, they have just 
They just have license to go nuts and do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say it's low stakes. This seems like a... This actually, this book seems quite important considering um, I, I believe all the comics on there are from Comixology, which mm, means this yeah. is one of the only times that these books are going to be in a, a store, it seems like, at least. So okay. in that case, I'd say it's kind of high stakes. But I, I can tell through these books storylines that like this particular publishing company seems to really value the kind of wacky zany concepts right yeah. all the books kind of seem just real goofy and they don't take themselves very seriously which is refreshing in some ways absolutely you know, i think it's a it's a fun genre. it's a fun way to use comic books to tell stories because these are kind of stories that wouldn't get made into other things right yeah i'm gonna look for that nasquatch that's <laughs> nasquatch <laughs> in wrestletopia where we're, we're, we're fun. We're fun. Cool. All right, Tim. Number two. All right. So ordinarily, this would probably be my number one, but today my number two is going to be Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Partially because, you know, it does something very similar to the Avengers book, even though this is a much easier to follow. So it starts out with a uh, lead-in to the big Spider-Man, or maybe this is a Venom event. I think it's being billed as a Venom event. Absolute carnage that's happening later in the summer. Absolutely. And this, so helpfully, it starts out with this this nine-panel grid page of Eddie Brock. He's given some kind of, or he's talking to a camera, laying out the danger that's to come. Cletus Cassidy, also known as Carnage, is alive, and he's trying to, he gets, okay, weirdly convoluted, he's trying to get the symbiote of the god of the symbiotes symbiote god yeah <laughs> creature's name is i don't know if you pronounce it k n u l l so either null with a k like knife or canal <laughs> which is how i'm going to pronounce it cuz i think it's stupid just to slap a k in front of there but so it it lays out what is probably going to be the basic premise for that series. Anybody who has ever been touched by a symbiote still has a tiny piece of that symbiote in them. And so apparently, at least what Eddie Brock thinks or has figured out or whatever, is that if Cletus Cassidy can revive this symbiote, this god symbiote, then he can also control the portion of symbiote that's in every person who's ever been touched by it. I see. To what end or effect, I don't know. I mean, Cletus Cassidy is a serial killer and is just a psychopathic nut job. Sure. So maybe it's an attempt to destroy the universe or just like have fun like making everybody bleed. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, Eddie Brock is in Rikers. He doesn't have a symbiote but apparently takes a symbiote from somebody, in, an inmate who is in prison. I, I'm guessing that this all works off of the current Venom comic, which I haven't read any of, partially because I don't find Venom by himself as a compelling character. I mean, I've heard really good things about it, but I'm still probably... I mean, I'll check in for the, the event later this summer, maybe. Okay. So, I mean, and so in that way, it was it was helpful, but it wasn't super compelling as a story. Like, I wasn't excited reading this thing. Yeah. So my top choice, my top favorite from the ones I read was Sheets, 
Well, it's called a, a Sheets Story. I looked it up. The, it comes from a larger graphic novel. So this is a graphic oh, novel okay. that I believe is already out. But apparently they're making another book. The writer and artist, Brenna Th- another Th- Thumler. Th- okay. I'm going to say it's Thumler. That's her name. Cool. Uh, anyways, so this is, uh, I think, an excerpt from the first graphic novel. And it takes place on a trip that this family takes to see the, their grandmother... The situation is that the mother seems to have passed away in some way, or she's gone. I'm assuming she's passed away. So it's the father, the daughter, and the little brother, and the daughter, who is the, the narrator, the focus of the story. Her name is Marjorie. She wants to get her ears pierced. She's in the seventh grade. It's time to do this thing. And so the story kind of takes place around this desire she has to get her ears pierced because it's what all the other kids are doing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the lesson is like, hey... Be you. That's cool, right? It's, I mean, this is yeah. a, this is I think very clearly like a YA story, mm-hmm. um, so it's not like these grand moral uh, revelations. But in terms of the way it's presented, I think that it does a lot of great things with comic books, like the style, the the, the medium, right? Where there's um, emphasis, she emphasizes a lot of like girls with earrings when the when Marjorie is interacting with people, which I think is great. Yeah. Sometimes without even any text, so you'll just get a panel of like a girl's sight of her face with her earring, and it's obvious that she's really fixating on this, which I think is something you can relate to, right? When you're a kid, you sort of, when you think something is going to help you in some way, socially or something, you kind of get fixated or think you need it, Uh, and they do a, she does a good job presenting that in this book. But also, it's just a beautiful book. Uh, I kind of compared it in a lot of ways to, like, impressionist art in the sense of, like, the like a Monet or something with these nice pastel colors and these sort of, I don't know, kind of drippy-looking um, nature imagery and stuff like that. I just really liked the artwork. I thought it was beautiful and nice to look at and kind of gave everything this very cool, peaceful idyllic kind of setting, which I thought was interesting considering there's obviously an underlying tension of the mother's death. Because the other side of this is that Marjorie is talking to a, a ghost. Okay. Um, but it is not her mother. Say, where so, are the ghosts? So that's the thing. My When I first saw the ghost introduced, I thought, oh, this is her mom. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's a ghost boy named Wendell, hmm. who is, like, I'm assuming, an imaginary friend or something. I don't know. I, again, the book, th- at least this issue, th- doesn't make that clear whether or not we can say there is a ghost or it's just her thinking of a ghost. The fun twist is to parallel Marjorie's story, Wendell the ghost gets marked up with a bunch of sewing thread and buttons put on him because her little brother runs him through a a sewing machine a few times (laughs) to, like, improve on his sewing skills. And so Wendell gets to have the earrings and the, you know, tattoos and things like that that Marjorie thinks is so cool and so, you know, we'll we'll distinguish her between uh, from um, from everybody else. So there's sort of that juxtaposition. And of course, she's horrified when she sees him all marked up and and unthreads these things so that there's that kind of discussion of like, you don't need, you know, these things are not you, you are yourself. Anyways. Yeah. It was a nice story and it was a very beautiful story in terms of the imagery and the way it was presented. And I just... Even though it was something I felt was young, right? This is like a young mm-hmm. growing of story, coming of age story. I was still really compelled to read it. There was something in the way that the creator presented it that was really nice. 
Well, I like that. I it's, look forward to reading it myself. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I'm really considering picking up the graphic novel because I, I found this to be really interesting, and I would, I'm curious to know more about this. Yeah, how this all ties together with these various elements of death and sort of escaping into imaginary friends, and there is some sense that perhaps the grandmother might be sick or something, and there's mm-hmm. also you know the father's role in this because there's also an interaction with the with Marjorie and her dad where he's not. I, I think he's unsure about how to navigate these waters of young uh, uh, female adulthood, right? Yeah. You know, he's this sort of fish out of water in that sense, so okay, it could lead to something really nice. So <laughs> I'm uh, interested to read more. Yeah. All right, Tim, no, top choice. All right. So my top choice is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is that because you still sort of think of yourself as a teenager? Oh, God. Which, uh... And you like turtles? What? I do like turtles a lot. <laughs> What was who was who was your turtle growing up? Who was your Ninja Turtle? Well, I have a guess, but I feel like <laughs> Ninja Turtles are sort of like astrology, right? Ah, uh, sure, in that sure. Sense. I'll tell you who I never, I shouldn't say I didn't like, but I never wanted to be was, I never wanted to be Mikey. Really? Not my cup of tea. I thought he was, I mean, I didn't dislike him or anything. I I would never want to, if I was playing with my friends, I was Mm -hmm. never going to be Mikey. Okay. Uh, My, always the person that I thought was cool was Raphael. That was, I would, I would have pegged that exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was always pretty cool guy. Mostly because he was an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) He was sort of my, he was my second to least favorite. Second to least yeah. favorite. Yeah. Raphael was cool, but in that sense that he was very unapproachable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, and Leonardo also. I don't, I had a thing where I didn't like leaders. Like, I didn't like uh, Leonardo for the same reasons I never liked Cyclops. Oh, sure. See, I uh, liked Leonardo, but I think mostly that was because of his two swords. I mean, that is pretty cool. That was kind of my yeah. reasoning. If I liked Leonardo, it was because of his dual swords. Yeah. I was always... Michelangelo. You liked Michelangelo. Oh, yeah. Ah, my, yeah. My favorite. The second favorite, Donatello. And it was kind of a close second, but it definitely, like, Michelangelo was my clear favorite. I had huh. every one of his action figures. Ah, okay. I yeah, had a lot of <laughs> Raphael stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think I had, I think I had the Raphael Halloween costume. Oh, really? I think. My mom, my mom used to make all of our costumes, and one year she made me a Michelangelo costume. Nice. It wasn't very sophisticated, but it worked. Hey, man. It's all about what orange. you imagine. Once you put on the orange mask, everybody knows who you are. Exactly. Yeah. I also once had... My mom made a pair of parachute pants, like the hammer pants, Yeah. out of uh, Ninja Turtle material. So I had like... <laughs> out of the skins of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> it was just a bunch of turtles, just, actually. Yeah, well, there Those was... Those turtles were not ninjas. My yeah. mom couldn't fight a ninja. Yeah. Also, you couldn't afford ninja skin. It's true. Ninja Turtle skin, that's just... Too costly. <laughs> too too expensive, too yeah. hard to get. Yeah. Yeah. But turtle skin is Yeah. Turtle skin's ubiquitous everywhere. Shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just you go just... kill yourself some turtles. <laughs> The thing I liked about this comic, aside from the nostalgia of it, is that it's just such a well-constructed story for its length. Can I ask you, is this the original creator? Uh, yeah, Kevin Eastman. He is the original creator. So he's still doing it. I think... This poor well, so guy he got has super a... screwed out of his, like, Turtles money from way back when. Oh, yeah, I think once when they... Like, he did not... Made the move to TV. Yeah. No, I think he was screwed out of it for a long time, and I think it's... Maybe mostly a recent development that he's come back in. Yeah. And hopefully with some fucking back pay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hope so. Um, but he's got a story credit here, so I don't think he actually wrote the script. 
script. Tom Waltz is the scriptwriter okay. on this one. But I'm assuming with like some you know, heavy consulting from Eastman himself. So this is, I don't, I tried to read up on it a little bit because I am curious about following this further, but it is uh, either the continuation or a lead-in to the current arc, which is Road to War. But it just start. I mean, it, it starts off so perfectly. Uh, the first panel is the turtle wagon speeding, people chasing it, uh, and then it's the Ninja Turtles in the back of this van with this other character. She looks like maybe a f- snow fox of some kind. And then another character, human apparently, bleeding on the floor. And they're oh. all, well, Raphael's driving and everybody else is tending to this woman who's been hurt. She's in a ninja costume. And it's them trying to get her to a hospital. Oh, okay. And so they have to get her to the hospital while all these People are chasing her. There's other mutants. There's ninjas who I think are the Foot Clan. But so the the team sort of slowly peels off to try to deal with all these threats in the road. They get to the hospital and then there's a bunch of Foot Clan out there. So yet more turtles peel off to deal with this threat. And it ends with, I think it's Donatello and maybe... Michelangelo, or maybe it's just Donatello himself, trying to get this woman to this lab where he thinks he can help her. But it's just so good how it's like one obstruction after another, and it's this continuously running narrative. And it doesn't try to explain anything to you. It just lets the action be the action and just lets you pick up what you're going to pick up. And whatever you're confused by, I think it's a really good way, actually, to get someone into a story. Mm-hmm. Because it just trusts you to be able to follow the narrative that's already there. But that nagging sense of missing something, Mm -hmm. like where this all began or what the hell is actually going on, it drew me in. And I I think I might start picking this up just to check it out. Oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds like the right kind of combination, right? Where there's very clear, straightforward narrative of get person to place... But that can draw on a lot of things from the larger narrative that would leave us wondering, what does that mean? But not being confused by what's going on. That does seem like a really smart move for a free comic book day book. So it reinvigorated my interest in Ninja Turtles. It made me remember that Ninja Turtles were some of the earliest comics that I read. Oh, okay. Not not in a dedicated sense, and I was too young to really understand what I was reading. Yeah. But I do have this very clear sense of reading old black and white I had a yeah 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 some of those too which I think were way darker than the cartoon yeah they were they were violent and they actually used real weapons not like wooden swords right never got I think it was all the way that they were being branded for television right yeah so I remember very clearly a scene in like the early Ninja Turtles I think it's Leonardo accidentally cuts one of the foot soldiers or foot uh, foot clan and realizes that oh they're robots so we can trash ah, these. Yeah, and then they just start going nuts on them. Smart. Yeah. Uh, the second part of this book is it's actually longer than the first part. And it is just sort of this roadmap through Ninja Turtles history. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a little hard to follow in part because like it's hitting the highlights. Imagine trying to go back and tell the history of any long-running comic book. Right. Just So I think it does a good job of being relatively coherent, and it filled in a, a lot of gaps in my understanding from what was happening in the first part. So I think, again, another sort of another really good move on the part of the publishers this is IDW a way of getting me more interested in the story by giving me like the history up till now. Oh good. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's cool. And I'm glad that they 
flipped the order because if it had been the other way around, that might have been oh, a that deterrent. Would have been so, yeah, I would not have been into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, in terms of just structuring the the book. That's really smart. Mm-hmm. All right, Tim. Well, it was a fun comic book day. We got to go to our local comic book shop. We should shout out Alternate Reality Comics. Yeah, Ralph. Ralph is a real good guy. Our dear sweet Ralph, who always puts on a good free comic book day. Oh, yeah. And always stuffs a bunch of free comic books <laughs> in our pool bin, so we're always thankful for that. Always trying to... He is, he's always trying to anticipate our reading needs. Yeah. Just putting something in there that he thinks you'll like. Or you've read this comic, you might want this comic. Yeah. He's like Spotify. Yeah, a little bit. Based on your preferences, I think you would like this book. Comify. <laughs> that's our next, that's our business model. Yeah. We'll be that for comic books. Sounds good. Uh, but yeah, no, that's always, it's always a sweet gesture that Ralph does that. So yeah, and that was a f- fun thing. We didn't do pictures this time. I just was not in the picture mood. Yeah. There's some great, there's good artists the that always do fun. I don't try to stump them, but I always try to think of the weird thing. I can. Not weird, but sort yeah. of the, the goofy version of a thing I would want them to draw. You got Wolverine in pajamas one year. I got Wolverine in Spider-Man pajamas, yeah. which I think is important. That's a that's a narrative thread that has never been addressed that really should be, <laughs> is Wolverine's infatuation with Spider-Man. But yeah, but it was a fun comic book day. And There's uh, always people cosplaying, which I always yeah, find delightful. Yeah, For anybody that is listening that for some reason doesn't go to these events, you should. Next yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Make absolutely. an effort to go to your local comic book store and do free comic book day. It's always the first Saturday in May. First Saturday in May. Yeah. Which sometimes corresponds to my birthday. Yeah. Somet- I mean, it's close. All right, Tim. That wraps up another episode of Comics Obscura. Slog log. Slog the log. We slog. We didn't even. This isn't even a log. This is just fresh comic books. It's true. We're we're up on comics for a change. Oh no, I'm not. I mean, I have a. About, well, no, I got. I, I have plenty of comics. That, there's at least forty to fifty books back there. That yeah. I've not been read. Next week. What's next week? Next week is Destroyer. Destroyer. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening this week. Absolutely. To the free comic book day, may the 4th be with you episode of Comics Obscura Slog Log. Yeah, hit us up on social media. Let us know what you got, what you liked, what you're looking forward to. We will see you next week. 